0: You know, they think about the joys that we have and the young people that are part of this congregation. I have seen them in action. Uh, sadness has occurred sometimes in our area, and these young people banded together and came in mass to be of help to your friends and, and along the way by your presence and your words, your prayers, your thoughts, and, of course, later on in the devotional thoughts and in the, the songs that you sang and all the involved with that. And I'm so thankful to know you and to know of you. You don't know all about the things about me in life, but uh, I want to tell you tonight that I'm a mind reader. You better believe it, I know I'm a mind reader. And when I get through telling you this little story here, uh, I imagine you might read minds just like I do. I was at this particular place, it's not important it's where it was, it happened to be in the state of Mississippi, but uh, it could have been in any place. And this family asked me if I enjoyed Chinese food. Well, I enjoy food in general, so yes is the answer to that question. And they took me to a place that they said is the cream de la. It is the number one. It's the cream cream, and it was indeed. I've never been to a place quite like it in my life. Since that time, I've not been there. And so, uh, this place had fourteen courses. And they were seated, uh, they seated us at a table, a long table, and it had linen cloth, uh, cotton linen cloth, beautiful white. And they had these tall glasses, water filled, and they brought out the first course. The uh, father of this particular family admonished his little girl that was sitting pretty close to where I was. And I could see her across from me. And he admonished her to be sure to be extra careful with this glass of water. Don't, 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 don't spit it. Two hands, two hands, two hands. Just like when you catch a ball at home. Two hands. And she nodded approval. And no sooner than the little, little Chinese man had gotten himself back ready for the second course to be delivered out, over went her glass of water. Well, that cotton and linen cloth just soaked up, I mean the water, and the man back there had keen hearing and he came rushing out, and he was like just a little little rascal fella. He said, oh, no problem, no problem, no problem. He said, pick up your plate, pick up your glass. We did. He whipped that cloth off of that table. He had another one ready. Post prompt, he put it down on that table. He went to the other side, pulled it, told, sipped the plate down, sit the glass down, and we're back to eating the second course. Another admonition to the little girl, I told you that that's something with which to pay extra care. And so be sure that you don't have this happen again. And no sooner than he had said that, overwent her glass again. The little man heard it. He came rushing out and said, Oh, accident again. And no problem, no problem. Pick up? Yeah, we did. We did the same routine. Off went the cloth and on went the fresh cloth, and we sat down, with the glass and the plate. And this time the dad said, I've I mentioned that to you. I told you about that. And he said um, to the maitre d, He said, bring a cup let's put her water in a cup that's what I should have done to begin with it's my step my mistake It's my fault and the mind reading kind of began about that particular point because he brought out the cup and the water went in the cup and the little girl was drinking her cup of water and she was going right along and we were not five minutes into the third course This was the shrimp that was coming out, by the way. (laughs) His glass went over. (laughs) Well, the little girl was sitting, as I said, pretty close to me, right across from me. And when his glass went over, I heard others say, oh. And I looked directly at that little girl, and that's where I learned to read minds. I read her mind. and She didn't say a word, but I read her mind. And I bet you did, too. (laughs) <laughs> what a good thing we've had. And young people, you're a great part of good life and everything. And when we talk tonight in regard to this eternal God, I want you to realize, and one in this house to realize, that it is the eternal God of the eternal life and the eternal hope of the soul that we are to serve in our life. When we make mistakes and uh, problems occur in life, I hope they're as easily solved as pick up your glass and your cup and uh, have these things to be changed out. But if it's not that simple, I sure hope that you do not leave the Lord, that you turn back to the Lord, see what his word has to say and the guidance of his word. After all, as you note in the familiar verse of Psalms 119 verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my pathway. When it's failing and when it's not there and it's dark around us, go to Psalms 119 verse 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light. And so with that light you can see things that you didn't see in the dark. You can do things better than you could do it in the dark. And so you can make a decision different than you made in the dark. And your decision in life can help you out as you go forth to serve this the living God. As we talk about the way of the Lord and his righteous ways, I'm compelled to go back in my mind's eye to the book of Isaiah. In particular, back in the book of Isaiah, a reference is made to this God of heaven. And what I see here, I see in in Isaiah 46 and at verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring, he says in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do my good, all my pleasure. This God of heaven says there's no one like me. It's the case that I can tell you the end from the beginning. John Grisham is quite a publisher for my area of the state, and he moved to Virginia, but his novel forms tell us a story form A moral that goes along with it And then he has a conclusion to it You may read it again And see the little details that are there That you didn't see the first time But his novel forms Is not the way that God wrote his holy word God wrote his holy word In an inspired God breathed methodology In that methodology he revealed The end of a thing at the beginning He tells us what's going to happen Down the road if we practice A certain way of life And so, as Paul would note to us in Galatians 6, the very important message of this, verses 6 through 8. If we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. But if we sow to the Spirit, we will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And when we sow to the spiritual way of life, we want to have this, the God eternal, to help us as we go through our lives, and we can. All of us realize that the presence of God and his work in our lives and the inspired word of the Lord to direct us provides that light that he said would come in. And we all face times in which there's darkness to come and there's certain uncertainties of life that'll be had. And it's good for us to say that I can see that light coming. I can see that light and it's not a train, it's not running over me, but it's the light of direction and guidance for God's will to be done in my, in my life. And so as a result we find ourselves looking for the right things of the Lord in His right way. You know, when the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, verse 7, a familiar verse we start out with in this series of lessons, and you'll note that I bring those lessons back because I want them to be remembered. I want them to be utilized in our lives as we go down life's highway from this week on. And I want us to remember that God wants to guard us with peace. He wants to guard us with peace. And in Philippians 4, verse 7, when he says this peace will guard your life or keep your life, guard your life, it'll be a good thing to have. And he wants us to live in such a way as you remember Colossians 3 and 15, that he wants us to umpire our lives by peace. He wants us to rule our lives by peace. And that word rule right there means to umpire, means to to tell ourselves as we're thinking about the words we're gonna say, the deeds we're gonna do, the substance we're gonna drink, the stuff we're gonna inject in our veins, the type of decision we're fixing to make, is it a decision that is going to bless us and be a, a, a tribute to God in his righteous way in our lives? Or is it going to be something of which we're going to be ashamed? We're going to hide our faces. We're going to walk away. We didn't test it enough and the umpire wasn't called in soon enough because instead of having peace, we have nothing but disruption and we have nothing but heartache and tears that are all around us. And when those tears and heartaches are there around us and we have no explanation for why we've said what we've said, done what we've done, how we've hurt ourselves and hurt others in the family, out of the family, among our friends, in the community, it takes a long time, sometimes maybe never. Maybe a whole generation has to go by that remembers those events in order to once again begin to have a good influence in the community. Where once there was a good influence, but all of a sudden, there's something along the way of which we see that an individual has been practicing a way of life, of practicing a way of life without being umpired or ruled by the peace of God. And as a result of not being ruled by that way of life that brings about peace, there was disruption and hurt and harm that came to that individual's life. Sometimes we find ourselves shocked and surprised that that would take place. And then to hear a little more and to investigate a little further, We wonder where that person was when those lessons were taught, when those statements were made, when when that teaching was done about the peace of God ruling our lives. We begin to wonder where that person was when the teaching was done, where that person was when the invitation was extended. It wasn't our invitation. We weren't seeking to do that by ourselves. We were seeking to have the Lord's invitation to be offered. He was offering the forgiveness. He was offering the way back to his way and to his side. But time and time again, we think of those times and occasions where that person was in the house. And they were under the sound of it. They didn't respond to it. They didn't make any changes. And the eternal side of God's great love was being pushed aside in order to practice their ways of life. You know Moses didn't do that As you remember in Hebrews 11 Statements regarding him He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God Rather than to enjoy The pleasures of sin For a season These things are of a season No eternal thing to them No lasting thing for them They're momentary and they're there And oftentimes bringing as I noted The tears and the disruption And the lack of peace The war and the conflict that takes place. But God wants us to follow his way and his will. And God also wants us. Back in Isaiah chapter 40. And at verse 31. To wait upon him. This is an important word in the Old Testament of the Bible. That word wait is a word that's important for us. And in this text of Isaiah 40. And at verse 31. It's in the context. of: Is the Lord needing a counselor? Is the Lord needing a helper? Uh, an answer is obviously no that's not the case the Lord will build you up and he will preserve you and he will care for you and in this passage in Isaiah 40 verse 31 they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they will mount up with wings like eagles they will run and not grow weary they will walk and not faint a beautiful verse of scripture And along the way, if we get to thinking that that word wait in that passage of Scripture, they that wait upon the Lord, is less meaningful than it really was intended to be, we may find ourselves thinking that that wait meant to be idle, and just to wait upon the Lord. He'll answer that situation that we're facing, and He'll help us out of it by and by, and we just wait upon it. We idly stand there and wait. But we all know that that word wait means other things too. It's the idea of the servant, the server. Maybe the waiter at our table who brings our food. As we place the order with that waiter. And the waiter waits upon us. And he serves us. And we think about those who serve the Lord. And some translations have said serve the Lord. In this passage of Isaiah 40 verse 31. But when you look a little closer at that particular word and you look it up in reference to its usage you see that it's a word that I'm just pronouncing in my ways and everything clave it's a word that means the following to bind together by twisting the idea is like you take the strands of a rope And those strands of the rope may be weak and they may not be very supportive. But if they are intertwined one with another, intertwined with other strands, that rope will become immeasurably stronger and stronger and stronger. And so that you can, in some countries, have that rope to be your bridge across troubled waters. That bridge from one side of a mountain peak to another. It supports the animals that come across, the wagons that come across, the human beings that walk across. Because of that intertwining by twisting together. What's the Lord saying in this passage here in Isaiah 40 verse 31? I've looked at the context many, many times of that particular passage of scripture. And rather convinced that he's saying to us, don't wait and say the Lord will serve me in this and I'll get out of this situation. But rather it's saying there that the Lord is saying, if you intertwine your life with me, you will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You will run and not walk, go weary. You will walk and not faint. And by intertwining your life with me, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I've noted that in local work for many years of time. Those individuals who would write cards and send cards to people. If it's just your card and just your thoughts and just your ideas, And a prayer doesn't go along with it from the Lord and the Lord worked with you in this matter. You'll soon soon find yourself one day just like those who baked pies and cakes and went to someone and delivered them in a time of sadness or a time of need and sickness. And they didn't get any pat on the back for it. They didn't get any note of appreciation. Someone just didn't say much about what they did. And so they decided next time I won't do that. By and by, they quit doing that. If it's just our work that we're doing, that's the way we'll, we'll, we'll do. We'll sum it up and say, I'll stop. No one appreciates this, no one appreciates me. I don't know what to say about them, but I know that they'll not get any more of this from me. I know that they won't have me to bother with anymore. But if we intertwine our lives with the Lord and we deliver that cake or pie with the Lord's work in our hearts and minds, We send that card and we send that regardless whether we get a praise for it. Oh, it's nice to have someone say thank you. It's nice for someone to recognize what's been done. But it's the Lord's work. And in the Lord's will in his life, not everyone said, Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the teaching you're giving us. Thank you for showing us the difference in tradition and in the word of the Lord. Thank you for showing us how God will work in our lives and work with us well. You remember there in John 14 at 23 when Jesus said this, If any man will love me and keep my sayings, my Father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We talk about the Lord and we talk about his heavenly father and how he sees if we love his son and love his words and we begin to practice his words. We seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6 and 33. We are people who are watchful and prayerful in facing trials and temptations in life. We are watchful and prayerful, Matthew 26 and 41. We are people who are willing to forgive others till 70 times 7 and we realize that if we don't forgive others from the heart really genuinely sincerely from the heart neither will our trespasses be forgiven us by God. Read the last verses of Matthew 18:35. Because we practice what the Lord's word is saying in our lives we practice the things that are being taught to us We become people immeasurably stronger and stronger. We don't stop. We don't quit. We won't give it up. And so, those disciples of the Lord in Acts 2 that preached that word of God, arrested in Acts 3 and 4, and punished and told, don't go out and teach this in His name anymore, counted themselves honored that they could suffer for His name. They were not going to quit. They were not going to take it back. That tomb is empty. His resurrection has occurred. He is the Lord. We all need to serve Him. And numbers and numbers of people obeyed that gospel. And out of that first century, there comes this message. And writings are done, and caves are used, caves in arid conditions. So that the preservation of those manuscripts would be there. They had them done and they wrote them down and they had it. And down the stream of time, you and I today have the benefit of looking back and the discoveries the archaeologists have made. And we see thousands and thousands and thousands of manuscripts that tell us that those things were there. Those people believed it, they practiced it, they gave their lives, they gave their all for it. How did they do that? why did they do that the soldiers were coming to their houses the swords were being lifted against them the lions were being trusted to tear them apart why did they continue to do it they that wait upon the Lord renew their strength they mount up with wings like eagles they run they walk in faint not that's why but when it's your work that's being done and you say oh yeah it's the Lord's but really from the heart it's really not the Lord working in that life it's really my doing and my preaching and my teaching and my way the time will come when that criticism is offered or no praise is given that I'll decide I won't do that anymore let's not be that kind of people the eternal side of God's church is set forth in this lesson tonight because the eternal side of God is there. He declares the end of a thing from the beginning. And notice that in this regard, you and I find ourselves finding the Lord in his right way and we wait, we serve him in the sense that we intertwine our lives with him. We get stronger and stronger as we go. In connection with this idea that we find ourselves in the house of God, the eternal purpose, we cannot neglect the passage of Ephesians 3 and in reference to the matter of the eternal wisdom of God and his way. For it is noted to us in Ephesians 3 and verses 10 and 11, to the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we mentioned the other day in our study, this passage of Scripture, in reference to the church being the example for us and the church being in the eternal purpose of God, it's good for us to be personal workers, all right, to knock on a door, to talk with others, to offer them a Bible correspondence course, uh, to teach the Bible in our homes and invite people to our table side, and, and to read there and study the Word of God together with those that are interested individuals. But this passage of scripture in the meter of it, in the form of it, is really not saying you be the example in your personal work and reach out to others and teach them the gospel. So much as the pattern in the background in the text there is telling us this, God planned by the existence of the church, by the coming of the church, by the presence of the church, to present his manifold wisdom in that eternal purpose To the world. Our Lord Jesus said that. essence When he talked to them. At Caesarea Philippi. And in Matthew 16. Beginning at verse 13. When he came down from the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples saying. Whom do men say. That I the son of man am. They began to reply. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say that thou art Elias. Or Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. Who's risen from the dead. What say ye. Whom say ye that I am? We remember the impetuous Peter, but Peter was right on when he said this in this regard. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas, bar Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to thee. What have we been saying about just using flesh and blood to deliver Cakes and pies and cards. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to thee. You'll soon grow weary. You'll soon quit. But if you intertwine your life with the Lord. And the Lord is a part of this work and labor. Then you'll grow stronger. And Simon flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my father who is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter a small stone but upon this bedrock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, hell, the place of the dead will not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth. I understand from those who study this more critically that Jesus is saying to them has already been bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. The eternal nature of God in that eternal plan of God was so set and so planned that when Jesus our Lord came and carried out that great plan and in love for his heavenly father's will gave himself for sinful mankind trusting the heavenly father to raise him from the dead. And we read that very word of that trust in Romans chapter 8 when he tells us if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he also shall raise your mortal body. You ever wondered why he said he'll raise your mortal body instead of saying he'll raise your spirit, he'll raise your soul, he'll raise your spiritual body. We know we're headed toward the time of death and maybe the time of resurrection for the spiritual body will come up. But he says there that he'll also raise your mortal body. The Christian race was not over with. When Paul wrote these particular words, the Spirit of God directing him to write these words, he was telling the people, you remember that just like Jesus was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, sending the Spirit to raise him from the dead, so also you will he raise. Your hope is resting in this. And in result of this, you're raised. Now you live this life. And Paul writes further about that in Romans chapter 6. Know you not that so many of us were buried with him by baptism into death, were raised to walk in newness of life closes that thought back over there in Romans 6 at 16 by saying, whereas you were the servants of sin, God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine delivered you. And being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. What were these people doing? They were in sin and wrongdoing. What did they have? They had a wonderful blessing, wonderful hope. This message of Christ Jesus as a faithful person in the Lord could be baptized into the death of Christ and raised a new person. Walk in newness of life. And so this one God of eternity and this God of eternal nature who planned the church to be the existence and to represent his wisdom to the world came about. And when you and I are saved from our sins, like we read there in Acts 2 and 47, the Lord adds daily to the church those that are being saved. We find ourselves in the house of God, representing the right way. Even more emphatically, it's noted to us in Ephesians 3 in the latter verses 21 following. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, through the power that power that resteth within us. How do we get that power? Isaiah said, wait upon the Lord, you'll renew your strength. Didn't he? Through that power that worketh within us, to him be glory. Glory where? To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. How long? Throughout all ages. World without The church of our Lord was an eternal purpose, eternal plan. You and I can be members of that body of Christ. We can find ourselves enjoying the relationship in that church. We can find ourselves strengthened from day to day in the church. We can praise this God for his eternal purpose and for his eternal will being done in our daily walk of life. Let me ask you tonight as we offer this invitation of our Lord once again. Have you in your study of God's word and your recognition of his will. Have you recognized where you really are? Have you found yourself saying I'm at a loss. I really don't know where the end is going to be. Remember the Lord said he declared the end at the beginning. When you go back to his word and read about that characteristic way of life that you're following, what was the end of that life for someone who told falsehoods in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira? What was the end of life for those who found themselves in worldly behavior? As you read very candidly in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. What about those who were unforgiving and rough housing and malicious in their ways? Well, you find example after example in the Bible that they were being told back off of that, stop that. That's not the right thing to do. When we find ourselves going to those examples in God's Word, it's as though I've heard people tell me it's as though it's speaking directly to me. It's though I'm there it's though I were there at that time I don't wear the robes they wear and I don't ride in the chariots that they were riding in but I was there in that attitude in that frame of mind in that disposition of life and I can be forgiven the Lord will pardon me I can put my faith into practice and be baptized into the death of Christ I can be raised a new person I can live guarded by that peace I can live unpowering my life by that peace. I can live enjoying a righteous way of doing God's will because it's an eternal purpose. And I can represent as an example to the community in which I live that faithful way of life. If you're subject to Jesus' invitation tonight, will you not think about your relationship to the Lord and how it can be made new? And while we stand together and sing a word of encouragement, make your way to the front and let your desires be known to be one with the body of Christ, added by the Lord to his church. And if you will, in fact, find your life overjoyed and thrilled at the hope of salvation from sin, intertwining your life with the Lord, waiting upon him, you will find that in the days ahead, you will have a strength that you never thought you'd have. And you will have a hope that you never thought that you'd have. Won't you come to Jesus tonight as we stand together and sing a word of encouragement.